You know, I, I got the, we all on the staff got the text message on Friday that uh, the tragic news of, of Adi's brother and um, something went through me and, uh, but I just kind of dismissed it. And then Diane already knew, she already knows before I know, right, guys? Huh? You know, they already know. And by the way, now that you're 19, uh, you're on your way, brother, okay? But I just, I just thought, well, you know, I'll just go to bed and not, not worry about anything. And then bright and early the next morning, as Audie likes to be, my phone rang. I was dead asleep. So <laughs> don't tell him that, though. Oh, wait, I think he's probably watching. <laughs> I slept in that day, so, but uh, he, uh, he broke the news that he, he wanted me to share today, and he goes, I can't ask someone else. I said, yeah, may, well, let me pray. I'll get back with you. Isn't that the reasonable thing to do, right? Yeah. <laughs> see, see if I should even dare? Because let me tell you, it's been a hot minute since I've been behind a pulpit. It's probably been eight years since I've been publicly speaking, and uh, so it's been, uh, and so God spoke to me uh, about what Adi's been sharing as far as waiting on the Lord, and so I want to give you my interpretation of that this morning, if you will, and um, I mean, I don't know about you, but have you been stirred by that? Just you know, why are we waiting? What's the point in waiting? Can't we just get it now? Can't we just do it now? Can't we just have it your way now? You know, I went through Burger King not too long ago. I don't always eat that, but we were on the fly. And we have to, you know, and their, their new motto is, you rule. Right? King, burger. So they go, welcome to Burger King, you rule. Oh, Hey, I would like a free Whopper with cheese, no lettuce. Make that two. My wife wants one. Frozen Coke, medium fries. Well, you have to pay for it. No. No, you said I rule. I'm ruling right now, right? I don't want to wait. I don't want to pay. I just, I don't know where that came from, but it's there. But, but I've been stirred and you know, I've had many opportunities in my life to wait, as I'm assured you have as well. And, you know, we're entering into a season, and I want to share a little, little tidbit with all of my fellow, what do we call us? Um, we're not old by any means, let me tell you. I'll keep up with the best of you for about this long. <laughs> Seasoned. I like that. But um, so, you know, we will always be branded through um, Calvary as being the seniors' ministry, right? They branded us that. Like Calvary Kids, Calvary Teens, Calvary Young Life, Young Married, Young Singles, Calvary Seniors. Calvary Us Young, yeah. But so, but we have penned a new name for us because we've been there, we've done that, and we got lots of t-shirts. So, 
We are, we are now lovingly known as the forerunners of Calvary. Okay? Because we have forged a path that others ought to be following us through. And we are there to help them get through where we've already been. So, all right? Okay? Remember that. But I've had lots of opportunities to wait on, on, on the Lord. And uh, I think the history for us started about 2014. We went through a grave depression. My wife and I, we, we um, had a lot of turmoil going on. We had the loss uh, of a ministry. Uh, we pastored in a church for 30 plus years in one location, and in 2012, um, because of a fall of our founding pastor, we, we left and we started a new work, and um, that lasted about two more years until we realized we're just kind of circling the pond. We're, we're not growing, we're not going anywhere. This is, you know, Father, I guess we didn't listen to you the last time, we'll listen to you now. And so we went to another church to where we could be healed for many years, for four more years. And in, 20, in 2016, Father spoke to us to sell our house. We didn't know how to do that. In 2014, our son came up with the great idea of listing it on Zillow, but you sell or something like that. Or All I got was realtors from Zillow wanting to list my house. So. But in 2016, we had a realtor in our in our in our church and uh, before we left and he uh, I just went to him and said hey brother do you want to come look at our house and, and sell it and he came unbeknownst to Diane after church one day and we went through all the process and waiting and waiting and about uh, finally we put it on the market and the day it went in on the ALS no ML. ML. Been a, yeah. <laughs> it's an ALS call. I got to go. Advanced life support. But um, <laughs> I think I need it now. Um, but anyway, he came. We put it on the market the day it dropped. Four hours later, we were signing papers. And we got 15000 more than what we were asking, which was, that was right at the the beginning of the peak of the insane housing market. And had we waited two more years, we probably would have gotten 200000 over asking because that's where the house went to on its value. Insane. But um, in that waiting on him, we, we moved to another little town in our community called Puyallup. Most people call it Puya, pull you all up. And, but it's Puyallup, and uh, we, we resided there for another four years, and God started working again. We came here in 2020 during the height of the pandemic, well, the, the plandemic, and um, we, uh, um, we, we sat here at a service. We happened to come to a service again because we've known Pastor Otis for many, many years, and we really felt to knit our hearts here, spoke to my wife. We, we talked to Adi after the service and told him, uh, we ask you to pray. We feel God stirring and we need an answer. And 
you know how he is. He said he would pray, but then he added his little, you already know what to do. Right? So we, went, we returned home, and we began to just see a lot of other things happening. Our, our friend, realtor, came to us and said, well, I need to know what your plans are for the future. I said, when you find out, let me know, because I don't know. And uh, he said, well, I either need to know that you're going to do a long-term five-year lease, or I need the house by July, preferably June. And this was in April. So we looked at each other. We said, we have a decision to make. We went to our chief at the fire department the following week and told him, we're leaving. When? Next month. So on May, Memorial Day, May of 2021, we hit the road and we moved here. And God has been a faithful, but still we wait. Um, I was hoping to move down here to those green pastures that he promised and the still waters and the, you know, where we lay down and rest. But uh, you know how our, how our father is. He has other plans for all of us. And uh, I really felt when God moved us here, there was a period of time, uh, like I said, we got here in May. We stayed with our daughter till on August, I think, because we had renters in the house. And then once they moved out, we had to go in and, and put in a brand new kitchen because it, fell, they didn't, it just fell apart on us. And so we were in this place of just thinking, God, what have you done? I feel like the Israelites that left Egypt and I'm brought to the desert to die. You brought us here to kill us. Because we knew too many people in Washington, and they would really grieve if we died there. So nobody knows us here, so you brought us here in the wilderness to die. I shed many, many tears during that time here. Another depression came, and just didn't feel like we were supposed to be here. We made a huge mistake. And all along... Our dear pastor came alongside of us and encouraged us and prayed with us and walked us through this valley of the shadow of death <laughs> and just really created those green pastures for us to rest in and those calm, still waters to just take a refreshing from. And then he asked us to be pastors and destroyed the whole calm and the serenity that we had entered into. And uh, I'm kidding. It's, you know, it's like riding a bike. You know, once you learn, you're just supposed to do it all the time. If you get off for a while, you get back on. And there's a calling on each of our lives. You may not be called for public ministry, but you are called. There's a calling on each one of your lives to do something in the kingdom. And so while you wait on the Lord, it's that time to open up your heart and to do 
That the thing that Matthew 7 says is to ask and to seek and to knock and to see what he does for you. Has your mind wrapped around, you know, we sang one of my favorite songs this morning, Show Me Your Glory. And Pastor Audie has been speaking the last two weeks about that show me your glory. Because that's really what we're waiting for. We're waiting on that. We're, we're, we're wanting to see that happen. But has, have you wrapped your mind around the picture of Moses in the cleft of the rock? As God walks by and covers his face. And then as he walks by, he removes his hand so he can see what does he see? His backside. But before him went his goodness, and behind him follows his goodness. And if all I ever can see is the backside of my father, I'm going to be real happy. But he's revealing his goodness to each one of us in this season of our life. Have you dared to pray that prayer? Show me your glory. Show me your glory. That's what we've been fasting for. We haven't been fasting just to kick off the new year to lose a few pounds of our winter coat. I don't think it worked. But we've been fasting to open our heart to receive what Father has for each one of us. From the youngest to the oldest. I tell you what, I, I, I was voluntold to, to be here for, for the youth conference, you know, because they wanted the, the, you know, some seasoned people to pray for the kids and to anoint them and stuff. And I tell you what, the hunger that was in those young people for those, I don't know, how many hours was that? It was a lot of hours. All I remember is crawling through my front door about 2 a.m. on Sunday morning to kind of refresh and come back here at 7 o'clock in the morning. But it was a totally awesome time to see young people yielding their heart to the Holy Spirit. It was so, so good. I believe they were daring to see the glory of God upon their lives. Am I breathing? I got a note this morning. Breathe. <laughs> Just breathe. You'll be okay. I had to share. But have we waited for Father to show himself to have we waited for Father to speak? Have we just waited? There's an art to waiting. It isn't just sitting down and crossing your legs and slumbering and going drifting into nap world. It's waiting with open ears and open eyes to see and to hear what our Father is saying to us in this season. Church, we are in a season, uh, I can't say unlike 
that have never been seen before because there's nothing new under heaven. <laughs> nothing new. This is not anything new to Father of what we're going through in life. What, what has been withheld from us is not nothing new. But are we waiting for Him to show us? And in Acts 1-4, if you have your Bibles, it says, on one occasion, while He was eating with them, He gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That was their first waiting experience. You know, there's been a lot of conversation. Anybody here watch The Chosen? That few of you have watched The Chosen? Oh, we got to have a watch party. I'll even make the popcorn. We have to see the chosen people. I mean, I'm not really the type of guy that likes, you know, Jesus films because I just, I don't like the Hollywood of it. And I'm not saying the guy that plays Jesus isn't good looking, but he ain't good looking. You know, because the word says that there he was not a comely person that we should behold him. But the, the truth that comes out of that, and I don't know where I was going with that, but it's, <laughs> uh, it's just, oh, I know where I was going with that. So there was an episode that, you know, you read in the word that Jesus sent the disciples out two by two, you know. And you think it was just they were all prepared in their hearts, and then, yeah, we're going to go do this thing, and yeah, we're going to go heal people and cast out devils, and it's going to be awesome. And they go, huh? We're going to what? And then it shows them go, and it shows them casting out demons from the demoniac, and it shows them opening blind eyes, and they're just as dumbfounded as the people they're ministering to. I loved it. I mean, it wasn't like, oh, you know, it was, they were just like, just dumbstruck that they were used in such a manner to do such a ministry. And, but that happened because they, they, they were with Jesus. They tarried with Jesus. They waited with Jesus, and he had temporarily anointed them for that work. Because you don't see them doing any of that anymore, do you, until Jesus goes into heaven and he's glorified and then the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they do great works for the kingdom. So there's a lot to be said about waiting. It's not just idle time. It's not unproductive time. It's an ask, seek, and knock kind of time. It's a moment. It's a space in time, which is kairos, which is, this is kairos time. It's, it's, well, no, that's chronos time. Kairos is just a linear line. If I could stretch a rope from that end of the building to that end of the building, and I put a, I put a, piece of red tape about six feet into this 
side of that tape, uh, on that rope. And I said, that's your timeline. That's where you are right now in God. How much more do you have in him? That's his kairos time in us. It's a critical time. It's the right time. It's an opportune time. It's a place in time where we allow Father God to fill us, strengthen us, and equip us. That's what this wait has all been for. So are you waiting well? Are we waiting well? Are we seeking and asking and knocking for His glory? There's a phone ring, and that's why I dance to it. I, I like music. There's an evidence of the gospel of the good news of Christ that is in us. That is what we're waiting and asking and seeking and knocking is all about. The gospel living in us and finding its way out in our testimony. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to follow along. I'm going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 3 with a few little highlights in between. And, you know, I, I thought I did really good on the first service because I thought I forgot there were two more services, so I, like, gave it my all. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm only used to one, one service. I'm not used to three, so... I'm going to dig down deep and have the Holy Spirit just uh, bring stuff out. Right? I mean, I'd be gone to breakfast by now. Or something. <laughs> Is it... Uh, um, uh, no, the uh, Dylan's, uh, the cinnamon sticks. That's where we see you all the time. Yeah, so. You can go there now, after church, our fast is completed. Unless you want to go to sunset all day, I guess, huh? I don't know. I'm having manicotti for my birthday dinner. So here's another tidbit. You know, I've been married to a hot Italian for 45 years. And so I can't, I can't help but speak Italian to you like, like I'm doing right now, okay? Yeah. This is all the Italian I learned, how to, how to, how to speak to you. So... Hey, you know, my alto ego when I go to restaurants, you know, when they want a name to put in, it's Vinny. <laughs> Vinny. And this is going to put you into a movie frame right here because they want a last name. Boombots. Okay? So. so if you're ever in a restaurant and they call for Vinny, take a look around. It's probably me. <laughs> So 2 Corinthians chapter 3, are we beginning to command, commend ourselves again, or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not 
on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of human hearts. That could preach for months. How do others read your letter? Paul told them that you are our letter. How do others read your letter? What is it written on? Just a tablet you hold? Or is it written in your heart? Going on in verse 4, it says, Such confidence we have through Christ before God, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Because we all know where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And the letter of the law that is religious will kill, but the Spirit, it will always, always, always give life. The caption of going on before verse 7, it says, the greater glory of the new covenant. It says this in verse 7. Now, if the ministry that brought death, how would you like to have the ministry of death? That's what we had. It wasn't to death, but we had the ministry. We had a motto as being chaplains with the fire department. Said, we see dead people. That was what we did. They called us the God Squad because we never went to a happy call. Every call we went to was tragic, from babies to homicides and suicides, and it's just what it was. But now if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters of stone, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, temporary though it was, will not the ministry of spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what has glorious for what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was temporary came with glory, how much more greater is the glory of that which lasts? So what I'm talking about is the Ten Commandments written on tablets of stone. They had a temporary glory because it was written in stone, and it was a law. Laws don't keep us. The Spirit keeps us. But I am glad of one thing, that Jesus did not come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill the law. He is. Speaking of the chosen, I think one of my favorite scenes when he entered into the synagogue and he got the scroll of Isaiah and he was reading it because, you know, he was in his home 
church, if you will. You know, Jesus, you know, it would be like somebody we know that's been raised, what do they call that? Bread, born, born bread, raised in, in Citrus County. And you all know this cat. You know him like, because he's just that type of a guy. He's popular or he's just, you know, the, the good looking one. But, but he walks in here and he comes up and he grabs the scroll of Isaiah and he says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. But he's, he's standing there and he's reading that. And so it's his rabbi that he grew up with. It's his rabbi getting, looking at him going, ain't this Mary and Joseph's kid? You know, and his best friend, you all know is Jesus' best friend. Lazarus was standing there and he's going, Maybe, but he says those famous words today. This is fulfilled in your hearing. And the, and the rabbi tries to give him uh, one last chance to, to kind of take those words back. And he tells him this. He says, by the law of Moses. And the guy playing Jesus took a step close to him and he says, I love this. I got chill bumps when this happened. I am the law of Moses. Oh. I mean, I mean, and he had, he, they have, they have rabbis on their staff to go through their scripts to make sure they're not like doing something really wrong. And that guy said it was okay to do that because, I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine? I mean, I'm not promoting it, but I just, I was taken back. So why, why would something that come that has glory that is temporary? Why would it be a ministry of death? Because there's no life in a stone. There's no life on those stones, on those tablets that his law was written on. It was something to take down. And you know, the first set that God, his fingerprint, wrote the first ones? Moses broke them. He threw them down because his clan, the Israelites, had entered into sin and made themselves a golden calf to get them through the wilderness. And so Moses had to go back up, but God this time told Moses to write them. And, but I just found it fascinating that this thing we're waiting on is the lasting spirit, the lasting glory. When we bring the gospel, do we bring it with temporary glory or with lasting glory? Let's go on to verse 12. It says, therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. See, it was a temporary glory. Did you realize that the glory that came down on Moses' face when he came down the mountain, his face shined and the people didn't want to look upon it, so he put a veil but the veil was to not let them know that that glory was passing away. It wasn't lasting. It wasn't going to remain forever. But their minds were made dull. 
For to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And all we, and we all who with unveiled faces, Contemplate the Lord's glory. We are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So you are full of glory. You're full of it. We don't have to veil our faces because we have seen God The Old Testament says that no man can see God and live. But we, because of the veil being torn in two, we can walk into the holy of holies, into the throne room of God. We can crawl up into his face, hug him, put our arms around him and say, hey, Papa, how you doing? Sure love you. Thanks for loving me. Thanks for caring for me. Thanks for being who you are. Church, are we hungry for his glory? Are we truly hungry? I have a friend, a pastor down in in Tampa. Um... And he, he, kind of, he wrote this thing I saw on the, on the FB. It's Facebook for you non-hip people. <laughs> I'm still trying to get over MySpace. So I don't know. But uh, remember MySpace? You guys don't remember MySpace. You're too young. But uh, he, he, he wrote this thing. It says, many pastors today are preaching the repentance of sin when they themselves are caught up in it. Church, we need the glory. We need the glory. And I'm not saying we walk around, you know, pious and look at me, my tassels, my robe, my hat my scripture box. It's not what it is. It's being transformed. It's being written on in our hearts. Being changed because of the letter that is written on our flesh. Being intimate with the Father. I don't know if you've heard this, but Diane used to always tell our youth when we, when we were youth pastors, you know, intimacy simply is into me see. You know, letting, letting Father look in and then reveal himself in, 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 our, in our hearts. How is his letter written 
on your heart. Church, we are commissioned by the Lord Jesus Christ, by his spirit to be a living letter to all man so that they can read what Father has written in our hearts. Like I said, it's not with the religious spirit. You know, when the, when the Pharisees fasted, they'd walk around with their crinkled up face. You know, they would just moan and groan so everybody would know that they're in this horrible place. But our fasting is jubilant. Well, except for when you're real hungry, but, you know... We still want to give, give all that we can to the Lord during that time. We don't want to be those that swat at gnats and swallow camels. It's not a religious thing. It's, it's a relationship thing. Real authentic life changing where the gospel is on display. I believe that's why we've been waiting because the gospel needs to rise up out of it. That's what's written on our hearts. The good news of Jesus Christ. The good news that saves a broken, dark, fallen world. We all have neighbors that, that we see not get up in the mornings and go to church. We all have co-workers that tell us about their well, I don't have co-workers that tell us about their parties they go to. Because <laughs> I wasn't invited. I'll be mad. But we have people in our lives that we need to have a letter for. We need, we need to offer them hope in a fallen world. And here's the key to that in Romans 8, chapter, Romans 8 verse 30. It says, moreover, whom he did predestinate. Now, do you know that word? It means you're chosen. Moreover, whom he chose. Them he also called. You are all called because you were first of all chosen. So now he has put a call upon your life. And whom he called, them he justified. There is nothing left in your trail that unjustifies you. There is no sin too great, no thought too wicked that has not been justified by Christ. And he's also sanctified. But it goes on to say that to whom he justified, those here it is, church. He glorified. You have been glorified. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And where is he? He's at the right hand of the Father. Where are you? At the right hand of the Father. Waiting for the assignment to go. Waiting for that letter to come alive in your heart that others in your community can read. Earlier I mentioned Matthew 7, the ask, seek, and knock. 
it goes on to say that all who ask, receive. And all who seek will find. And to those who knock, it will be opened unto them. What's opened? The mysteries of God. It's no longer a mystery that he keeps us from. Because we are intimately acquainted with him. We ought to know his heart. One of my favorite songs, worship songs, is I want to lean back against you and breathe and feel your heartbeat. That is intimacy, church. That is intimacy. When we can just lay back against his chest and he wraps his arm around us and we can hear his heart beat for us. We can read the letter that he's written on our heart. It'll change you. It'll change you. I'll be honest with you. I want to be changed. I want to be changed. Just because we're, we're asked to, to serve like this doesn't mean let me, we don't have it together. I stumble and I fall. But I want to be changed. I want to be in that place, dear. Did you want to share it? Okay. Go ahead. But Father spoke something to Diane earlier, and I, I didn't see it in the first service, so I wanted her to share it now. But have an open heart just to receive what Father would speak to you today. Because th this is that day. This is that time. This is when we open up our heart of flesh and allow him to pen his love letter in each one of our hearts today. Now, during this um, fast, um, I believe, first of all, this church is on the precipice of something extremely glorious. I believe we are one of a few churches that is going to see a mighty move of God because of the man of God and his wife that are the shepherds of this house. They, are, they allow the, the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do. But that can be a scary place because there are so many layers of God and we can never know all of him. But we are stepping into a place where he wants to reveal more of himself than we have ever seen before. Mm -hmm. And we have to have hungry hearts for that. But Satan is the great identity thief. And for a long time, I hid behind the veil of timidity and fear. And that veil is torn. And... It is no longer an option for me to hang out behind that place that's safe. Mm -hmm. Being up here is scary. And 
to step into a place where you say, Lord, show me your glory. That identity thief wants to keep us behind that veil. But you know what? There is power in becoming comfortable with who God is making you to be. And at the grocery store, at the post office, at the gas station, at school, being willing to say, Lord, show me your glory, and I want to be used. Mm -hmm. And opening up your heart to hear from him and say, go up to that lady in the check stand and pray for her. Go to that person that's standing in line with you at the post office because I have something I want them to hear, and I want to use you to deliver that letter. That's, a, that's frightening to me. But I'm getting braver, and I have stepped out from behind that veil because it's torn. That access for us is free. God already, Jesus paid that price for us. We can stay behind there and hide and get that comfortable place. But timidity... And fear can no longer be excuses to those of us who want the glory. Mm -hmm. And God's going to use us. And he wants to use us. And that identity that he is, he died to give us that identity. He died for that. Jesus did not sacrifice his life so that we could be silent about what he did for us. And so we are in a time Because of the days that we live in, and let me tell you, they're not going to get easier and they're not going to get a whole lot better, but the glory of God is going to rise up and the light is going to get brighter and the darkness is going to get darker. And that gray area in the middle, that's that's, uh, going away. You are either for him or you are against him. There's no more compromising. And so for those of you who, like myself, have been fearful and have not wanted to um, step out of that place, we, we can't be ashamed anymore. No more shame. There's no condemnation. Right, right, There's no right, shame. Right. And so we need to step out from behind that, that safe place and be the instruments that he is calling us to be for his glory.